welcome to Hazel and Katniss and Harry and Star, a young adult literature podcast, their film and television adaptations, and everything in between. I'm Joe. And I'm sick. Oh, you're so sick. I feel bad for you. <laughs> Our show is located on the ancestral lands of the Haudenosaunee, the Huron-Wendat, and the Anishinaabe on lands connected to the Toronto Purchase Treaty 13 of 1805. And on the Tecumloops Te territory within the unceded traditional lands of Sequatmulu. And today's text, American-born Chinese, takes place in the suburbs of San Francisco, the traditional home of the Olone, Remaitash, and Muakma peoples. Joe... Mm-hmm. I have been waiting for this adaptation for a long time. I really like this comic. I was so mm-hmm. excited for you to read it. Yes. I can't wait to talk about it. <laughs> yes. Uh, spoiler alert. I really, really enjoyed the comic once I was able to get over the confronting racist imagery. Yeah. Which, of course, has a purpose. But, you know, until you get to that point, it is confronting. It is. And then I liked a lot of parts of the TV show, but overall, I was a bit more lukewarm on it. Yeah, and I think that's fair. Something that we're going to talk about is, like, the TV show is trying to be a series. Mm-hmm. And I think what it really should have been was a mini series or a limited series. Like, Ooh. we don't need a second season no. to tell the story that Jean Luen Yang tells in American Born Chinese. And some of the yeah. adaptation choices are really cool, and some of the adaptation choices are done in order to sort of attempt to extend to a, a, an additional season, and I don't mm-hmm. think those ones work so well. No. Honestly, when you alerted me that the season ends on a cliffhanger, I was genuinely perplexed, because I was about <laughs> six of the eight episodes in, And it felt like it was already spinning its wheels. Like some of the episodes were too long. Some of the storylines felt dragged out. And I just could not understand why. And then I got to it and I just, yeah, you know, okay, we're trying to do a season two. But for what end? Yeah. So let's talk about the comic book. And we'll talk about why it probably doesn't need to be two seasons. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) American Born Chinese came out in 2006. It's a graphic novel by Jean Luen Yang. And um, this was a very awarded novel at the time when it came out. So it was a finalist for the National Book Award. It won the Prince Award, which is a big favorite award around here. Mm -hmm. It won the Eisner for that year. So like, big, big successful comic. And it's interesting to me that it has taken so long to make it to adaptation. Right. My understanding is that there was some development hell aspect to things as they tried to figure out what to do with it. You know, like, we know we have this great property, but what do we do with it? Ooh, well, it's because this isn't a straightforward thing, right? No. Like, I think if you were just doing the kids stuff, then it definitely makes sense to do live action. But I could have easily imagined them going uh, like an animated cartoon route for this. Yeah. In fact, I kind of wish they had, especially mm-hmm. for, well, okay. Yeah. So for my plot synopsis, there's basically three seemingly separate tales that are happening that all wind up together in the end. So the first storyline is a contemporary retelling of a Chinese novel from the 16th century called Journey to the West, Mm -hmm. um, which is all about the Monkey King. And the idea here is that the Monkey King is like unhappy with himself and the form that he takes. 
because he keeps getting rejected by other people, other deities. And so he like progressively just like <laughs> keeps killing people, like trying to become and change himself to become more and more like what he imagines a god would be. Yeah. But he can never really achieve that. He's never tr taken seriously by the other deities. He ends up imprisoned under a mountain of rocks. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's one storyline. The second one is sort of the main storyline, I would say, and also definitely the central focus of the adaptation. Mm -hmm. And that's the story of Jin Wong. He's a Chinese kid, child of Chinese immigrants. They live in uh, Chinatown in San Francisco, and then they move out to a suburb. And once they move to the suburb, Jin experiences being the only, there's only one other Asian student, like people mispronounce his name. They mm -hmm. don't understand that like... The other Asian student is Japanese and he's Chinese. There's like... Oof, the casual racism oh, is really deeply uncomfortable. There's a lot. And then this new um, student comes to school, Wei Chen. Wei Chen's from Taiwan and he and Jin become close. But there's always this sort of like self-loathing around Jin and his the way he sees Wei Chen. And like their relationship is really tense because of it. And Jin, like, he's he has a crush on this girl named Amelia, who's white. And some of the other kids in the class are like, oh, you really shouldn't date her because it's bad for her image that you're dating her. Ugh. And in this big scene of, like, trying to reject everyone, he ends up kissing Wei Chen's girlfriend, which is obviously right. very upsetting for Wei Chen. And the whole thing is, like, really sort of tied up in Jin's desire to assimilate with the other kids around him. And in many ways, he feels like Wei Chen is like this barrier to assimilation because with Wei Chen around, everybody like continues to know that he's Chinese. So that morphs into this story of Danny. And Danny lives in basically like a sitcom world. Mm -hmm. Danny's an all-American kid, but his Chinese cousin, Chin Ki, comes to town and these scenes are the ones that Joe is talking about as being like super confronting. Yeah, the artwork is like iconically racist, like yes. how Asian characters were always depicted back in like the 40s and 50s. Yeah, exactly. Depicted with like the buck teeth speaking sort of a broken English, the whole nine yards, like exactly what you would have expected out of yeah, a 50s movie, basically. But what we realize through this is that Chin Ki is actually the monkey king in disguise. Mm -hmm. Danny is obviously actually Jin, who has transformed into this Caucasian boy because it's the thing he's wanted his whole life. Right. And so we have all these layers of stories about people who don't want to be who they are, want mm -hmm. to assimilate into something else, looking for the respect of this dominant society that is ultimately like too racist to ever mm -hmm. see them as they are. And so in the end, Jin does reconcile with Wei Chen and accepts who he is as the child of Chinese immigrants and tries to build a new sort of life for himself like mm -hmm. that. It's so much more complicated than you Ooh, imagine yeah. when you pick it up. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting because I sped through this. It's a very, very fast read. I think I read it all in one sitting. And it's interesting because you feel like you're gravitating more towards one story more than the other two. So I was really taken with the story of the Monkey King because I think the art is really cute and dynamic. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of almost cartoon level violence in the way that he approaches his problems where, yeah, he's just constantly smacking and punching. <laughs> and it's very much like a Kung Fu kind of movie. 
And then the Jin storyline is very grounded and you have to confront all of his racist stuff. And then the last one is so over the top. I just, I couldn't even reconcile that it was in the same volume because it felt totally out of place. It made me so uncomfortable. And then when the three stories merge, ooh, Brenna, I think I texted you immediately and was like, yeah. oh my God, all is forgiven. This is so good. Yeah, it is. It's so, so good. It's so carefully articulated and it's so precise. You know, something that I think we'll talk about in relation to, or maybe in contrast to the TV adaptation is that there is not a single panel or word mm-hmm. wasted in this comic. Everything no. is working towards this larger goal of knitting these three storylines together, even mm-hmm. though you don't realize it on your first read. And the way in which, you know, Yang is really using like our discomfort as white yes. readers, right? To like confront exactly what Jin is living with, like exactly what Jin is living like in and around. And I think mm-hmm. it does make. I, I think it makes white readers particularly uncomfortable. Although I did yep. read a review where um, Yang said that he's heard some people argue that Chin Ki is super cute. And he thinks that he should have designed uh, the character to be even more broadly stereotypical. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know, right? Oh, boy. Can you imagine creating this masterful piece of yeah. art and just layering all the stuff in and then have people completely misunderstand <laughs> what you're trying to accomplish? <laughs> I know. Uh, how dare? <laughs> I know. I know, right? Anyway, I think that this the way of depicting the self-loathing mm-hmm. that Jin feels by both the monkey king who can never be what he wants to be Mm-mm. and has to really humble himself in order to get out from under the mountain of rocks. Right. And this character of Chin Ki who is just like constructed exactly to confront all of Jin's self-loathing. I just think yes. it's so carefully done. It's beautiful, beautiful book. Hmm. Yeah, this is the kind of thing where I could see it working even better on a reread. I read this, as I said, very quickly, and I definitely still got all the layers and the nuance and the kind of, as you said, carefully calibrated approach. And yet I can imagine if you took your time with it, if you read it more carefully, you would really see how delicate that process is to make sure that this all comes together correctly. Because this could have been an absolute disaster like yeah i can imagine people reading this and and immediately just saying this is incredibly racist we need to not put this in libraries don't give this to children like because you would misunderstand what the intent is yeah and i could definitely see like somebody not finishing it because Mm -hmm. if you don't finish it then you don't get the payoff for everything that you've and you know joe texted me before we got to the big reveal and Joe was like, what, Prana, what is this book? Like, oh my God, mm-hmm. this is super racist. And I was like, yeah. just stick with it. Just stick with it. It's going to be okay. <laughs> I mean, I assume that there would be a payoff. It's just until you get there, like one third of the book is just incredibly stereotypically racist. Yeah. And it is. It's just so confronting and it's almost mesmerizing. I just couldn't believe that what I had seen had been approved and published and then awarded. So I knew that there was some kind of payoff. It's just, yeah, like there is no tipping of the hand until no. you get that reveal. Yeah. I mean, it is so well done. It really holds you in suspense for all the storylines. But, you know, the Monkey King one feels cute until it doesn't anymore, mm-hmm. right? And 
Jin storyline feels really straightforward until it isn't. So right. it's not really until you have that third piece of the sitcom. And I love the way, so visually, we know that they're like in a sitcom when this racist character emerges and, and Jin becomes Danny because the border, the bottom border of every panel is like, it's laughter. And mm-hmm. I just thought that was so effective. Like, you know, immediately what's happening. And I think that's what I mean when I say like, such a carefully articulated comic, like mm-hmm. nothing is wasted. And it's interesting to say that because there's actually an awful lot of white space on every page. You actually have right. quite a lot of breathing room as you move mm-hmm. through the comic. But those kind of stylistic choices, just they do such a good job of letting you know exactly what you're looking at. Like, you know, you're looking at like, gosh, I don't know. What's that movie? 16 Candles sort of level mm-hmm. depiction here, right? And, and that suddenly... The central focus is this white character, Danny, and the way he perceives the world, which is super confronting for white readers and should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully you find yourself in that. Like, it's by design that you feel uncomfortable in the very obvious stereotyping of the one story. But even in Jin's story, there's so many microaggressions. Oh, yeah. And again, I, I think by design, you're meant to just bristle every time something happens like when it's something as simple as they can't even be bothered to acknowledge that jen is an american yeah obviously the literal title of the comic as well as the tv show is this kind of nebulous space that people who don't look quote unquote like the dominant majority they don't look normal which means they must be foreign and of course that's not what north america is typically like we always assume that white is default and the reality is is when you start to look around it's not i do think that they do that well in the tv show in the way Jin is always expected to be able to speak mandarin or cantonese whatever it is people Mm -hmm. are expecting they're always surprised when he can't and he spends all of the thing trying to like apologize or ask people to repeat themselves and you get that Mm -hmm. sense of how like Jin really feels sort of floating between two worlds, not quite anchored anywhere. Um, and that's one of the choices that I think the TV show has has the option to do. But like the ways in which we see Jin being constantly othered in the comic is like, it is really hard to read at times, mm-hmm. right? Like the teachers are terrible. Oh, the worst. Yeah, They're you feel so, so bad. bad for him. <laughs> oh my God, like the bullies at school are bad too, but the teachers are actually worse. Well, because we expect more from the teachers, right? Like the adults in this world should know better. The teenagers, you can say, oh, well, they haven't learned. Yeah. They haven't matured. And with the adults are just like, no, you should know better. You shouldn't be making these default assumptions. And like Jin keeps making these choices that he thinks are going to help him blend in more. Mm -hmm. Like when he gets the perm done and stuff. And you're just like, oh, please don't do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) so uncomfortable yeah and if anything it just makes him stand out more yeah yeah well you opened the door on the tv show so i feel like we're gonna actually have more to say about that and obviously we can put it into conversation with the comic yeah absolutely you know people love this it's good for you right this one looks like it's giving me the thumbs up (laughs) so do you have a lab partner yet is there a Jim Wang here? Wang. This is Wayne Chang. Wei Chen. 
He's a new student and he's Chinese, like you. He's gonna tag along to all of your classes. I found seats for us. Come on. Except in math. He's way ahead of you in math. I just want to be a regular guy who does regular stuff. You made a new friend. I <laughs> <laughs> just thought this year was going to be different. I may be able to help. What's going on? I'm not from this world. I need your help with my quest to stop the uprising. The gate between Earth and Heaven is opening. Okay! You must stop it or everyone will perish. The fate of your world hangs in the balance. I don't really see how I fit into this whole thing. You're my guide. Can we come up with something a little bit cooler than guide? Servant? Yeah, no, you're right. Guide's better. So American Born Chinese, this just came out a couple weeks ago on Disney Plus. It is created by Kelvin Yu, and it's got a pretty all-star cast, particularly when you get to the adults. So we are stunt casting to the max. But we have uh, Ben Wang as Jin. We have Jimmy Liu as Wei Chen. We have Sydney Taylor as Amelia. We have Yo Yan Yan as Christine, that's Jin's mother, and Chin Han as Simon, his father. Both adults get a lot more to do in the TV show Way than more. they did in the comic. Yeah. And then, of course, yes, we have our, our sort of all-star stunt cast. So we have Michelle Yeoh as Guan Yin, who is the goddess of mercy, and she's kind of um, Wei Chen's guide on Earth. And then we have Daniel Wu as Sun. That's the uh, Monkey King. And Kei-Hwan Kwan as Freddie Wong, who is a sitcom actor who is regaining popularity because his show from the 80s has emerged in a viral way on like a TikTok or Instagram equivalent. Yes, but the, the virality of it is rooted in racism. Of course it is. <laughs> Yeah, so that's kind of the, the main cast. We've got eight episodes running on average, somewhere between about 30 and 35 minutes. And a number of them try to replicate almost like a 70s Chinese, like wire foo kind of fantasy vibe, mm -hmm. particularly mm -hmm. with the scenes that are set in heaven. And then, yeah, the 80s vibes are very clear with uh, Freddy's TV show. And then we've just got kind of like a school drama that is randomly interspersed with action sequences when the gods come into contact with each other. Yeah, so the blending together of the three plots comes a lot earlier. Mm -hmm. It's basically from the beginning you know that these are going to be intertwined plots. Not yes. entirely. I think like Wei Chen reveals that he is a, a god who has taken on the appearance of a human boy by the end of the first episode. Yeah, and we already have met um, Freddie Wong's character by then. So we don't know entirely how they're going to intersperse, but there's a lot clearer sense that these plots interweave. Mm -hmm. that, and so as a result, you don't get the big payoff that you get in the comic. And I feel no. like knowing that ahead of time would maybe have helped a little bit, show because that was a disappointment for me. Mm -hmm. And I think that, yeah, if I had known that ahead of time, it would have been helpful. There are a few choices that I really 
like. I think right. the expansion of Jin's parents oh, is fantastic. Overall fantastic because I really cared about their plot line. <laughs> the yes. relationship between the two of them is they're struggling. It has to do with the fact that Jin's mom doesn't think his dad is assertive enough at work. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. we get to see what life is like for Jin's dad at his work, and it sucks. Mm-hmm. So this all culminates in like episode seven, I think, in this scene in the principal's office. Right. That is one of my favorite scenes in the whole series. Well, it's because it finally depicts what a functional adult relationship can look like. You know, the whole series is based on... It's not quite the same as what the comic was. It's more like going after what you believe, like pursuing your dreams at all costs, but also being able to communicate that to the people that you love and admire the most. So everybody's kind of on a quote unquote spiritual journey. And for Jin's parents, they both changed and almost become domesticated by their relationship, by the marriage, by having a kid, moving to the suburbs. And there's obviously a fire or a passion that's lacking, but it's not just in their marriage. It's about how they're even approaching life. Like they're both actively searching for something. I think what's so great about that culminating scene too, is that Jin's dad gets to really be like a hero in that scene. And one of the mm-hmm. things that percolates throughout the series is this notion of like what it means to be a hero. And Freddie Wong's whole thing once he goes viral is trying to articulate how frustrating it is to have been like this very successful sitcom actor, but then there were no roles for him afterwards. And all he wanted was an opportunity to play a hero. Right. And he's in this interview setting and the interviewer is like, like, Ugh. you wanted to be the hero? Like, this dismissive arse of an yeah, interviewer. <laughs> he might as well be saying, like, but you're Chinese. How would you be? Mm-hmm. How a could hero? you possibly be a hero? And Freddie Wong's point is like, I love the way he cuts down. He's like, actually, I teach classical theater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and in the tradition of classical theater, the hero is just someone who goes on a journey and tries to help people. And so we have that kind of echoing in our heads, and we've seen. Jin's father so just treated like garbage at work and just Mm -hmm. so downtrodden. And so when he gets the chance to really stand up for Jin's mom in that scene with the horrible principal who basically (sighs) accuses Jin's mom of being a tiger mom, um, it's really glorious, right? It is. And I think those moments of payoff really work in the show. Mm -hmm. But what doesn't work is some of the more sort of fantastical, like, Mm -hmm. battle for heaven kind of stuff, because we don't spend as much time building those relationships. So like, I really care about Jin and his parents and how that how that triad is going to go on. Mm-hmm. I really care about, you know, seeing Wei Chen get comfortable in the school. I really care about Amelia as a character. But the show is spending so much time and probably money on those mm-hmm. big battle scenes without the same kind of, I felt like emotional core. Like, I just didn't care about that as much, unfortunately. No, I felt the exact same way too. There's a middle season episode, number four, called Make a Splash, and it's styled after this 70s Chinese drama. It's got uh, opening credits styled after the TV series Monkey, and it takes place almost exclusively at a party in heaven where we get the kind of backstory with the Monkey King and the Bull King, who is his primary adversary. And we're told throughout the entire series that this battle for heaven is the Bull King... He was once the Monkey King's friend, and then they had a falling out, and now he's going to basically destroy heaven because their friendship didn't work out, and they had a misunderstanding. 
And it's an interesting episode because it's really different. Like the look of it is different. Most of our teen actors are not present in it. And it's really interesting as a one-off, as an almost experiment. But it also makes you realize how little investment we have in this battle. Like the stakes should be literally world ending. Like the finale of the show takes place where all of our main characters could die if the bull god is actually successful at opening this portal between earth and heaven. Yeah. And I just didn't care. No. no. It felt too much like a Marvel movie, if we're being honest. Yes, that's exactly what it was. You know, especially because, I mean, Freddie Wong's character is amazing anyway. It's a really carefully thought out, interesting perspective to mm-hmm. center him and to center like what it's like to be, you know, resurrected from like from, <laughs> from like viral hell. Well, you're also making it sound like he's a main character and he appears for like 30 seconds in most of the episodes. It's true. It's true. And it's not until you get that kind of emotional core from him. That, but it's also the fact that it's it's Kehui Kwan who's amazing like all you want to do is look at him when he's on the screen he's so magnetic and i think Mm -hmm. you know and it's also you know this great parallel with the character that that actor played in like indiana jones and the ways in which that plays into the same kinds of stereotypes that like freddie wong is speaking back to here like there's so much that's magnetic in that piece Mm -hmm. and when i watch that like that is such a thoughtful clever interesting modernized adaptation of what's going on in the tv show stuff in the comic Mm -hmm. but the rest of the adaptation i don't think jumps up to that level like i don't think the heaven scenes and all of that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. is more interesting on screen than it is in the comic book and that's a problem because it should be (laughs) like it's it's so dramatic it has so much dramatic energy just built into it that Mm -hmm. i don't understand how it doesn't work but it doesn't yeah it it's weird too right i mean i I read through the sort of main cast but if you look at the guest stars we do have a kind of like who's who of like chinese staples um so we've got poppy lu we've got james hong we've got jimmy o yang we've got stephanie su and of course a bunch of people have been like oh my god we're actually reuniting the three main actors from everything everywhere all at once which just won the oscar so like the show is a big deal in terms of representation in front of and behind the camera it's so refreshing and yet in some ways the show is trying to do way too much yes yes in only eight episodes and it's not able to give all of these characters like i love stephanie sue's character where she's a woman who works in a gem store and she's got a dog who eats gemstones and like all of these characters are really vivid as you said they really pop often they get the battle sequences they get fantastic costumes so the visual flourishes and the character actors are there it's just that the heart and soul of the show is actually with teenagers and the parents and they get the quiet moments and those quiet moments are where the heart is and it really lands so it got to the point where in the back half of the season where all of these guest stars kept parading through and we've got extended battle sequences and i didn't want that anymore i wanted my heart i wanted my characters that i had invested in emotionally yeah i think i think you're exactly hitting it and i think when you said the series is trying to do too much you can always feel it sort of reaching towards 
a second season, like mm-hmm. setting us up with some conf. Because the one thing about the comic is it is a tightly resolved little package, right? Yes. And there is no hint that we're going to continue this story. Like the story no. has been told economically. It knows of what it's doing. It gets in and out. And that's what makes it so strong. Yes. Yes. And so instead, what we end up with is a TV series that for all the reasons why streamers do what streamers do is always mm-hmm. trying to reach towards a future iteration, trying to leave some things un untied, some trying to offer us some like, and here's what's going to happen next time. And it's just, mm-hmm. it ends up just feeling messier than it needs to, I think. Yeah. I think it would have been much better to make it as a limited series and then like mm-hmm. maybe demand is so high that you do explore like a sequel or something but this way like hoping you're writing something that Disney Plus can't not say yes to even though mm-hmm. even though they can always not say yes of course <laughs> it's a real bummer and the reality is is like so we we mentioned we end on a cliffhanger where Jin's parents have been abducted Honestly, by a character, I was like, who is that? I know we've met her before, but I cannot place her. Yeah. And it's meant to end with a, ooh, I need to see season two right now. And instead, it had the opposite effect on me. I think you and I probably both groaned. I may have whimpered a little (laughs) bit where I was just like, really? Because so much of episode eight builds to this big, stunning action sequence in front of the whole school. The stakes are sky high. We're opening the gate between earth and heaven. And I was like, oh, no, the climax was in episode seven with the parents and Jin realizing that he's been a bad friend and that he needs to, like, make a kind of self-sacrifice and stuff like, yeah, you know, you you could tell that episode eight was for the people who had been craving the action. But to me, that's just not where the strength of the show was. No, I totally agree. For me, the moments of sort of peak were around yeah that interview sequence with freddie wong and the principal's office moment mm-hmm. or the moment when Jin and anuj make up and they're gonna go on this journey together like old times mm-hmm. right like all of those emotional beats work so well right and i think that's why it's annoying <laughs> that the other stuff is so busy getting in the way so i do have a question for you brenna but i'm also going to kind of gently put this out into the ether in the event that we have any chinese listeners because Mm. i recognize that the costuming and the makeup is definitely styled on a kind of like 70s chinese tv show like we are not the prime audience for this i found the monkey makeup pretty distracting yeah like they're they're trying. I know what they're going for, but it ended up looking like Planet of the Apes nineteen seventies films. Yeah. And it it just kind of took me out a lot. And this was definitely the part where I kept wondering, huh, if we had have done this animated instead yeah. of live action. Like maybe not the whole show. We could have still done the Jin storyline, but maybe have some of these more fantastical elements be animated. Mm-hmm. Would that have worked better it's what i really craved i really love the artistic style of those sections of the comic book Mm -hmm. and i would have loved to see that translated to the screen even in the absence of that i even wished we had like transitions or even just the opening credits done in animation like some sort of callback to that art because Mm -hmm. the art does so much heavy lifting in the comic like it's it's not just that it's beautiful it's that the three different styles that yang works through are part of the storytelling 
And so Mm -hmm. because the show is so interested in morphing together the Monkey King's world and the the real world, we don't Mm -hmm. actually have that visual distinction that works so well in the comic and then is so interesting when the worlds get brought together. So yeah, yeah, I um, I wanted more of that. It feels like the closest we get is in the actual choreography of the fight sequences, which are very traditional, you know, for dumb, dumb North Americans who are, you know, white like mayonnaise jars like you and I. Mm-hmm. Um, we look at it and we're like, oh, wow, this is reminiscent of something like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon kind of deal, right? I definitely had that as my first thought. That was my yeah. favorite reference yeah. I have mm-hmm, to mm-hmm, acknowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a bunch of people who are screaming at us being like, oh, my totally. gosh, educate yourselves. Absolutely. Fair. Totally fair criticism, taking it on board. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is why I open the floor to, to listeners who maybe are like, oh, this is actually what it was kind of referencing. But I feel like at the end of the day, part of the show's struggle is that it was, I think, intended for people like you and I. Yeah. Like, this has a very distinct ring of, we're going to pay off Chinese viewers who are going to be familiar with a lot of these actors and these cultural references, but at the end of the day, we're making it for a predominantly white audience so that they can look and bristle and feel aggravated by the cultural stereotyping that people like the principal are Mm -hmm. doing. Totally. And it, like, it works. (laughs) For mm-hmm. me, like oh, those yeah. moments where I know I'm supposed to be having my my nice white lady discomfort, yep. they work really well. They do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This isn't bad per se. No. I definitely didn't love watching a ton of episodes back to back. It kind of highlighted the areas where the show was not working as well for me. To the point where I was like, I almost think a six episode season pared down with better visual flourishes to kind of highlight the distinctions in the comic would have been my preference. Yes. But I don't know. I mean, maybe if you're taking your time with this, if you are picking up on more of the references or if you're more familiar with some of this content, I do wonder if this lands better or just differently. Yeah, I'd love to hear what people are thinking. I also think this might be one of those texts, Joe, where we were immediately so blown away by the comic that Mm. turning to the adaptation right away was never going to be fair to the adaptation. Yeah, you know what that is? (laughs) That is definitely also a possibility. But we couldn't watch it ahead of time because of streamer politics, Joe. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Uh, Shall we play a game of YA Bingo? Yes, please. Bingo! Not a good bingo. Okay, what have you got? Okay, so we've got lots of montage, right? Yes, like all the fight and scenes. musicality. Lots of musicality, and I do think the soundtrack is killer. Mm-hmm. I really loved, well, all aspects of it, really. I highly recommend listening to some of the playlists that people have generated on Spotify. They are good fun. Hmm. Okay. Obviously, we've got some CGI happening. Just a touch. Just a little bit. <laughs> it's definitely a borrowed time narrative once things start to roll because mm-hmm. eventually the bull king is going to come and kill the monkey king sure yeah um what about you what have you got what do i have uh i'm gonna give house porn to amelia's absolutely yes. massive mcmansion yeah mm-hmm. fair <laughs> i i will say i quite liked the fact that she disliked her mother and how fake her mom was and how she could never be real. But from an outsider's perspective, it's like, what is wrong with your mother? What is wrong with your life? Yeah. <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> uh, we do have some magic supernatural. Yep. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. 
I would argue that we do have the chosen one since Jin is revealed to be the Force Scroll. Yeah, he's literally the chosen one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we have good friendships. Like, it yes. takes a little while, but I think that Jin and Wei Chen finally get there. But even more so, if you want to go back to the comic, you could say, yes. you know, that relationship is foundational. Yes, agreed 100%. And I also think I would give it to um, Jin and Anuj in the adaptation, even though they're still figuring it out. You can tell that they mm-hmm. want to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we have stunt casting. As oh my I god, so much stunt casting! It's so great. I love it. Uh, you know what I've discovered in my old age, Joe? Mm-hmm. I think fan service is great. Oh, I I'm see. Like, doesn't upset me. I'm like that person's only in here because you know they think that the person watching this is also watching whatever. I don't mm-hmm. care. It makes me happy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, here's the thing: when fan service and stunt casting and that kind of stuff, when it works for you. It's really, really good. Yes. It's just when they overdo it or you don't like it, like when it's not not resonating, then it just feels egregious and (laughs) We definitely have some female directors working here. Lucy Liu directs one episode. Uh, Erin O'Malley directs an episode. Yep. Yeah. Um, And I am going to make an argument for Perfect Date, even though it's actually Mm. a very fleeting moment. But I really love the scene in episode eight. It's probably my favorite part of episode eight when Amelia and Jin finally kiss okay yeah it is nice i was almost gonna say when the parents find the monkey king and sort of nurse him back that's kind of really cute it's It's not ideal but it feels like the start of something new and especially when the dad is like that's my wife's drink she makes that i was like oh you are proud of her Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm yeah my final one is coincidental classes because it's a bit of a stretch, but on the TV show, the big final confrontation begins when the cosplay class or or group is meant to do their performance. Oh, yeah. It just so happens that we can use the costumes to explain away the fantastical things that the <laughs> audience happens to see. Yeah, it works kind of well. I like it. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm happy with that. Yeah, we nearly got there. We were two different blocks off from getting lines. Yeah, well, you know. It's it's great, but it ain't that tropey, at least as far as YA tropes are concerned. Right. So I would say the book is a 100% everybody has to read it. Yes. The TV show is a check it out, but take your time with it. Don't try to Mm -hmm. mainline it like we did. No. Yeah. Okay, so... Brenna, if people want to get in touch because they're like reading book club or they have feedback for the mailbag about American Born Chinese. So hopefully you're reading Stolen and you've got some things to say about it. Or maybe you want to respond to what we're saying about American Born Chinese. Or maybe, I don't know, you just want to write about something else. You can find us on the Twitters at HKHSPod or on the hashtag HKHSPod. Joe, where do they find you? I can be reached at B Stole My Remote and that's the letter B. And I'm at Brenna C. Gray. That's Gray with an A. And for long form stuff, you can find us hkhspod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Joe, next week's episode is a book club episode, right? It is indeed, yes. And I'm going to do some damage control because this whole time we have been giving Miriam the sole credit for recommending The Boy from the Mish, <gasps> aka Ready When You Are. Yeah. And then I just got an email. We're recording these out of order. So uh, this is me trying 
<laughs> to make amends to listener Tony, who it turns out also recommended The Boy in the Mish. Oh, well, Tony, thank you. You'll hear next week about what we thought about it, but it was good mm-hmm. things. Yes, but unfortunately, we will not thank you in that episode. No, we so I am so sorry for sorry. not giving you your proper kudos. And then our next full-length episode, I'm going to tell you right now, don't read ahead, but it's called <laughs> Through My Window. And uh, you know what? Just save yourself Just save yourself the pain. We'll, we'll tell you all about it in a couple weeks. Oh, boy, folks. I, I'm excited to record the episode. <laughs> We're back in the world of, like, after Twilight. Like, that is the vibe. <sighs> Until next time, then. I will see you on the page. <laughs> and I will see you on the screen. Bye-bye. And I would say that most of the episodes try to do a delicate balance between a kind of old-timey... What am I trying to say? There we go. Okay, what have you got? Okay, well, I have... You would have thought I would have thought about this beforehand, Joe, wouldn't you? I'm just going <laughs> to cut this out. It's fine. I know. So hopefully you're reading Stolen and enjoying it. And if you want to write to... Well, enjoying is the wrong word. Let me try that again. <laughs>